As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I am your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means I spent this Sunday... I'd like to say blissfully doing nothing. I had to, some work to do, and I'm recording a podcast, but the podcast is fun. The work was, uh, you know, I'm writing about football. It's not that bad. Uh, but we've got plenty to discuss because since the last podcast, we've got an injury, new, injury news on Carson Wentz. We had some time to think about it, and I got a bunch of questions here from you, the listeners or the followers on Twitter, joining me here to break it all down. It's been a minute since he since we've had him on the podcast. It's the first time in this season, I do believe, because he's been busy and and I haven't checked in. Uh, he is uh, the great Mike Smeltz. Mike, welcome back to the podcast. Needed to get your take uh, on everything that's going six weeks in, but first and foremost, how are you? I'm I'm so thrilled to be here. Um, for everyone who doesn't know, I just send Ben texts and slacks all the time with conspiracy theories about what this team may be doing and now i think it's fitting that i'm on an episode where we're soliciting from the fans ideas because i am like them i'm i'm constantly thinking about this team and how they can maximize their window whatever window that may be whether it's closing i mean it's not opening so i'm thrilled absolutely thrilled to be here then well look i i I appreciate it you know (laughs) i i wish i had answers for everybody for yourself and others um who ask questions but i'm thrilled when you send me those questions or when people hit me up on twitter at ben standing you can hit up mike with your theories it's at mike smelts correct that's right yeah all right and if you want and i will definitely talk back i will communicate with you because i'm constantly thinking about this team at all times yeah and uh mike is part of our uh narrative podcast department i say part of it. i think he basically is the department and if you missed it he he did a great podcast uh right before the season started about uh andrew luck and kind of everything that went on with that so if you haven't checked it out i encourage you to do that and it's somewhat pertinent to this team in the sense of you know obviously the washington got carson wentz from the colts and the colts have been on this journey to find a quarterback ever since andrew luck randomly retired and you know, they've been a much better team than Washington has. And they also don't have the, you know, their owner is interesting, but they don't have the constant, uh, I I like to say the the constant ick factor that goes on around here. So Washington isn't the only team that's constantly in search of a quarterback, but they're the team that we talk about. It's been going on forever. And the Carson Wentz thing uh, took another turn uh, since the game ended on Thursday night. Washington, of course, beat the Bears by half a yard <laughs> or whatever that was um, at, at the very end of the game there. But quickly, uh, so on Saturday morning, we heard, uh, I, you know, and I reported as did others, that Carson Wentz suffered a fractured finger in the game. If you didn't see the highlight, there was one play where he threw a pass and he his hand smacks the the hand of a player, uh, of one of the Bears defenders, but then it looks like he, he hits it on, I think I want to say Charles Leno's, helmet on the follow-through went said after the game that he did uh hit a helmet uh, you could tell he was not in uh, pretty comfortable we don't know what's going to happen he's supposed to meet with a, a specialist monday so we'll know more about that 
I, I don't want to guess too much. I would imagine it's it's conceivable to think he missed he misses some time, but I don't know if that's one game or a month. I don't know. We'll find out more hopefully in the next day or so. Um, so Mike, you hear that news on top of everything else that's kind of going on with this team. What a what a crazy week this was. Um, for, for Carson Wentz and the organization, what uh, when you when you heard that 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 he had an injury on top of kind of everything else, what what uh, what were you thinking? Oh, you don't really want to know what I'm, I was thinking, Ben, because what I was thinking was, well, I don't want to be a downer. Obviously, a fantastic win in Chicago. I mean, you know, great. What maybe one of the worst? I mean, it is the worst game in the Amazon Prime era, for sure. That Al Michaels has had to witness. Wait, is that and, true? Are we saying that was worse than the, the the game the week before? I'm not saying it wasn't, but the week before was twelve nine <laughs> in overtime between <laughs> two teams. Like you know, like like Washington Chicago, the bar was low just because the other game Denver. I mean, you know, considered a you know Denver Indy was considered to be a pretty good matchup at the start of the year. I'll even that. Like obviously, so many Commanders fans wanted. Russell Wilson, right? Like everyone was desperate for the hope that this rich Richmond native would want to come to DC, come back home and play for the Commanders. Honestly, Carson Wentz has been a better quarterback than Russell Wilson um, this season. I mean, it's not like like a million times better, but he has been better. And can you imagine if this team had given Russell Wilson the contract that Russell Wilson got from the Broncos? And he had played as poorly. Now maybe it would be different. Anyways, well, yeah, like, I think along those yes. lines, like I played this bit. I don't know if I did this on a podcast or not, but I was doing it somewhere. Maybe it was just in my head with 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 Lenny. Uh, it was like, okay, here are your three options you can do at quarterback. You can stay with what you have with Carson Wentz. You've already given up the the multiple day two draft picks, and you've taken on this contract. But at, 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 in, after this year, no dead money. You can take Matt Ryan. It only cost a third round pick to get him, but he still has next year like thirty five million dollars. Or you can take Russell Wilson. You can think this starts an aberration, and you have him for like another what, like five years or so, but at with a crazy cost of uh, an extension, as well as they gave up a bunch of first and second round picks to get him and some players. So you could look at it in a few different ways. How would you? Which one would you? Knowing what you know right now, which of those deals would you rather uh, take from all the way from the start to now? You know, even though I just kind of disparage Russell Wilson, I still like he is by far the highest ceiling. He's been by far the better player of those three, even though Matt Ryan, of course, had an MVP season and Russell has never I don't think he's ever gotten an MVP vote. I think that's like the odd stat about him. He's like the Steve Carell of the NFL, where Steve Carell never won an Emmy for the office. And Russell Wilson has never been voted once for MVP or he's I know for a fact he's never won it. Um, the funny thing is, we, so we bring that up, and at the time, when they traded for Carson Wentz, when the Commanders did, and they gave up all that they gave up, one of the positives of the trade was his contract, that it was the easiest in the NFL to get rid of after year one, because there's no guaranteed money, but he is tied to the team for an additional two years, if they want, let's say he was great, and they wanted to keep him. The only thing is, though, you can't trumpet that fact if you're the team, if you're trading for this guy. You can't, Ron Rivera can't come out and say, Hey, we gave up, you know, two, uh, two seconds and a third for this guy. We're super excited. But by the way, if the team sucks and he sucks, we can cut him, right? Like you can't, right. you can't um, factor that in as credit to the commanders because public, like if they're thinking already, we're trading all these assets for him. But part of that benefit to us is that we can get rid of him after a year. Then he was not the right person to trade for if you were that lacking confidence. Now I was going to, we talked about this pre-show and I'm going to ask you this now. Obviously we had this gigantic story from ESPN come out a lot of different elements. And it's some, if you're a commander's fan, you knew a lot of what was in there and some things you didn't know. One of the things that I did not know was they reported ESPN that um, Dan Snyder pushed for the Carson, Carson Wentz trade. Now I'll just say before you get, cause you know more about this than I do. I, it's not that I don't think that's true, but I really do believe that like the that Ron Rivera and the management team around him were fully on board. I don't think this was Mike Shanahan and RG3, where we understand after the fact that Dan Snyder was the one who was aggressively pushing to move up to get RG3. This wasn't Dwayne Haskins and Jay Gruden where 
Dan Snyder made the call from his yacht and picked Dwayne Haskins. I think it's possible that that Ron Rivera, as he said, went to Dan and said, here's what we're looking at. And Snyder said something like, Wentz is the guy. But more meaning more of like that is his opinion. I ask you, though, you know this team way better than I do. You know the inner workings of this team better than I do. When you read that bit in the story, how did that ring to you? Yeah, so uh, the, I, I don't know how often you listen to his his podcast or read his columns when he wrote them, but Bill Simmons had this thing called the Tyson Zone where it became you could believe anything that anybody said about Mike Tyson because it, it, he had just reached a point of, sure, you know, the tattooed faces or just the random behavior. Like Dennis Rodman probably falls under that category as well. I think Dan Snyder falls under that category as well, too, right? Could you? I mean, imagine any headline about anything. You'd be like, sure. I mean, especially if it sounds negative, right? It's easy to believe. And just, you know, and, and so I, I think when everybody reads it, they're like, of course that's the case. I mean, as you said, you know, you made the, the yacht, calling the pick from the yacht. That was essentially the Dwayne Haskins pick. And, you know, we don't need to go back through time, but, you know, anybody who's been aware of this team knows all the different times that Dan Snyder's put his you know thumb on the scale and said, no, we're going to go do this, even if his football people said otherwise. I, I, I'm not going to bet my house on this, but I don't believe that aspect of the report. I do believe this was a Ron Rivera call. Now, I thought that before Ron Rivera's rant uh, the other night where he <laughs> he, you know, I've never seen somebody defend wanting a player who the majority of people think you shouldn't have gotten more than Ron Rivera did that day. And, you know, I don't know, still processing what to make of that uh, rant, but I do ultimately believe that he was more in charge of that. I don't really think Dan Snyder has been involved a lot in the football side, the way people were making it out to be in that story. Um, which isn't to say that I'm saying he's been not involved. I'm just saying I don't – my sense is that this is not as the meddling owner that we've seen before, which isn't to say it's not going to happen going forward. I'm just saying to this point, I don't know that I buy that he was the one pushing for Wentz and everybody else just kind of went with it. Yeah, I think the entire team, the entire organization was desperate for a new quarterback, and Wentz was the guy that felt the most attainable, highest ceiling – Wentz never had a market. He wasn't like Matt Ryan. Like when Matt Ryan wanted to leave Atlanta after Atlanta pursued Deshaun Watson, Matt Ryan had enough cachet within that organization to say where he wanted to go. He wanted to go to Indy. So he ends up in Indy. Carson Wentz obviously had, had no power within the Indy organization to say, hey, I want to go to Kansas City to be a backup, right? Or no, whatever. No, yeah. He has no power to do so. So like Carson Wentz made sense on those levels. Um, and I do believe Dan Snyder, like they probably did go to Dan Snyder and ask him what he thought because he's the owner of the team, but they, I, I really doubt that Dan Snyder was picking Carson Wentz because we know what quarterback, not to go too crazy here, but the quarterback that Dan Snyder probably old school Dan Snyder would have won Deshaun Watson. He would have done what Jimmy Haslam did, the owner of the Browns, which is again, I don't have reporting, but you know, whatever, but asserting control and to say, we're going to get this guy. We're going to do whatever we can to get this guy. Deshaun Watson was that guy. Um, and thankfully he's not, cause you know, I don't want to go down this road, but well, you know, if he was on this team, how terrible that would be. But um, yeah, I, so you brought all the way back to, to bring it all the way back, the hand injury. Okay. You never root for injuries. Of course you don't ever do that, but I will be honest the first thing I thought of was the commanders may have gotten an out for playing Carson Wentz enough, but not too much this season because the biggest thing I am tracking, unfortunately the team is two and four Ron Rivera has had teams that have not been great early on that have grown throughout the season. The only difference is this year, you know, their Eagles are playing the Cowboys right now. The Giants had a massive win against the Ravens. It's tough to imagine the Commanders making a charge for the division. The Commanders, if they play Carson Wentz, I'm sure I know you've talked about this, more than 70% of the snaps this season, 
They owe a second round pick to India, not a third. This hand injury does present a chance for like, it's like, okay, he's out for a couple of games. Taylor Heineke goes in there and then he can come back and play the rest of the season. And it almost is like satisfies the ability of keeping your second round pick while also having once as your starter. Right. Cause, but who knows? Like I've done the, the Googling who knows how long he may be out, but a broken bone on your throwing hand. There's no way around that there. You know, it's a fracture. I don't, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not an orthopedic, but it's not like, um, we've seen guys play with injuries. If you're a quarterback, when it's not your throwing arm or hand, if you can't, you know, I would imagine it's pretty tough to grip a football. Uh, so I I would have to guess it would be multiple weeks. And if it's multiple weeks, it may drop below that 70 percentile snap percentage. And it kind of saves the commanders a little bit in that frame. I know that there's also like a byproduct of that, but that is what I thought. I thought, oh, yeah, they get to keep their second round pick as I know. I know it's so brutal, Ben. No, I, look, I, I, I hear you. I mean, I wrote about the idea, like, you know, what if they lose to the Bears? Like what's in play? And one of the aspects was the 70% situation for sure. Uh, I was talking about this with Michael Phillips the other day, and we were sort of guessing week 10, week 11. I mean, you never know, right? It's not like snaps are a d- d- definitive number each week. Some weeks it's 75 and some weeks it's like 60 and you don't know, but somewhere like week 10, week 11 were, was sort of the guess as to when 70% might happen. So, you know, he probably has to miss more than four games ultimately, um, but yes, to your point, th- this is potentially, if he's out for a bit, potentially a way to sort of have your cake and eat it too. If they want to keep him longer term, but don't want to give up the second rounder, this is a scenario that that where that could unfold. Uh, of course, you know, you still have to debate, would you even want to keep him long term? I, I, we don't need to, uh, although I'm happy to hear what you think, but like, you know, the whole thing when he went, when Ron Rivera says, you know, the one word answer of quarterback, which led to this whole, sh- you know, thing about, oh, he's throwing Wentz under the bus. I'm still seeing people talk about that today as if it's a true thing. I don't believe that that's the case. I, I believe the answer he was trying to give about how, um, you know, they just haven't had time to build with a quarterback the way other teams in the division have is illogical because, you know, uh, Daniel Jones first year, First, with with a first year head coach, Dallas was playing a backup. Okay, all that aside, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think that they, I, I think there's just so many fascinating questions. You mentioned before that Carson Wentz has arguably played better than Russell Wilson to this point. And here's the thing, right? For all the people who want to complain about the the trade itself or the idea that he would be the quarterback next year, tell me what else they're going to do. Because this is the rub. This is the rub you're seeing all around the league. So many teams don't have quarterbacks. Do you know what draft pick? They're two and four. Do you know what draft pick they would have right now, according to the Tankathon, if the season ended today? We're talking during the um, uh, Sunday night game. So I guess hypothetically the the Monday game could alter this. But do you know what pick they would have right now? Uh, What is it, like 10? Uh, The 11th pick at two and four. so much of the league is terrible this year yeah and that's the thing like i don't know what i don't know what like imagine any of the quarterbacks that could have gotten this offseason in reality even russell wilson are any of them playing well (laughs) i mean no no i mean matt ryan had a good game today and the only reason why i know that because i had to start him in fantasy and that's (laughs) how you may have an idea of how bad my fantasy team is but yeah pretty much all the quarterbacks that had changed teams and moved around had all been bad this year if you want to include baker mayfield in that mix you know and we should right i I mean so many of these guys have played poorly this year that's what's kind of funny is we're so myopic in our view of the team the commanders that's all we think about but when you look around the nfl it kind of like mitch trubisky again a guy who some people in the fan base really wanted over carson wentz i mean we talked about the value proposition of just signing trubisky and keeping those picks Trubisky was benched for Pickett. Now Pickett gets hurt in the game, and Trubisky come back, comes back and actually plays pretty well. Um, it, I I know what you're, what you're talking about. The thing is, if they had lost, and they didn't lose to the Bears, but if they had lost to the Bears, it would have crystallized what the season should have been. This does give them a ray of hope if we're going to look positive. Like, again, I think we kind of know what this team is. 
it's not the worst team in the NFL, like they were veering towards, but it's also definitely not. It's going to be tough to compete for a wild card, and I'm trying to be nice about that. Um, if they had lost to the Bears, then then I think I know you had Jay on to talk about Code Red. Like you just shut it. You like it would be a shut it down situation if you're one in five. You shut it down. Now they have at least a chance to be like, okay, you see what happened to the Packers against the Jets. Now, I doubt – I'm not going to do this whole thing where I'm going to go through the schedule and pick out the wins. Well, I mean, but just remember, I mean, last year they were 2-6, and six, then ripped off four in a row and were actually in the wild card. Like, if the season ended, then had a wild card spot at 6-6, six and six, and the year before they were 1-5, and five, rallied to 7-9. and nine. Obviously, the division was bad, but it wasn't good enough that year to win, so – even I think even in their head, even if they had lost to the Bears, I don't think that they'd be looking at this the way you and I would probably be in a more logical way, that you need to look bigger picture and figure out how to get to the next step, not just crawl back to the middle, uh, you know, which is sort of like what the Wizards do all the time and what these guys <laughs> are, are kind of aiming to do um, and all that is for sure. Now, here's the thing, though. Some people are listening to this and saying, hey, you guys are missing the point. They're not going backwards. They're going forwards because right. of Wentz is missing time. Here comes Taylor Heineke back into the mix. He would get to face Green Bay, his favorite team growing up, for the second year in a row. You know, we often sit here and say, you know, and I, I do, that the Carson Wentz is an upgraded quarterback. I believe that to be so. We've seen some of the throws he's made. You know, he makes some great throws, um, but he's, you know, just limited in in – certain ways pocket presence or whatever but heineke last year they went seven and eight with him right i mean right now this team is tracking at you know two and four they're you know that that's not gonna that's not gonna get there so it's not like heineke can't get this team you know over the threshold not arguably they should have beaten green bay last year if he doesn't do that slide at the goal line instead of getting into the end zone blah 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 okay so all that said heineke if he would play is coming in I, I, I think it's conceivable that Heineke – I haven't thought about the Green Bay matchup yet, but I'm just saying I'm not, like, that worried about them taking a drop-off or, like, oh, they have no chance. It's the longer-term aspect that's like, well, Heineke's not the answer. But in the near term, you know, I, I, I don't know that their chances of winning have decreased if he is playing. That would be my general assessment. But, again, we haven't really seen – we haven't seen Heineke play at all this year. So we'll have to see how that goes. Yeah, and it, I mean, looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, there's been a lot of attention on Scott Turner, right? Well, who knows his offense? Tyneke knows this offense better than anyone. So it's a real opportunity for Turner's offense to be run through a guy I mean, this is the whole reason why Heineke was here in the first place is that he knew it better than anyone else. He knew it better than any other quarterback that had been there. That's why every time he comes in, he looks really good, at least initially. He's way more mobile at this point in his career than Wentz. It will be interesting to see. And, you know, this team is, is by beating Chicago, yes, they kind of go out of the tanking tier for now. You, you know, I was talking to a few of my buddies. You know, everyone's looking at mock drafts before that Chicago game thinking, <laughs> okay, yeah. C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, you know, Bryce Young, whoever you want, right? You get really excited for that possibility. Now you kind of – now you're the 11th pick in the draft. So you you think a little bit about that less. But Heineke, it, it's going to be intriguing. What we know about Taylor Heineke, as you said, is that he – the guys, like, lo- like him a lot, right? Like – He's a galvanizing kind of presence on the field. And he, his mobility, his, his movement in the pocket um, is really going to help the offensive line because obviously Wentz was, what, the most sacked quarterback in the NFL or one of the most sacked quarterbacks. And as anyone who's watched the game knows that he partly leads to that problem himself. Um, Heineke's ability to move around back there and then to pick up yards going past the line of scrimmage with his legs. That's a real asset for this team. I will say that if you, you know, 
it's hard to like pick out the Carson Wentz things. The thing that the distinct thing Carson Wentz was just way better at the Taylor Heineke were the couple of those touchdown passes that he just the one thinking about to was a Terry McLaurin in week one yeah. where he dropped it like 30 yards down the field along the sideline between two defenders and Terry ran for a touchdown. Taylor can't make that throw. There's throws that Wentz makes and the whole reason why he's the starter that Heineke can't, but there's a lot of elements that Heineke does well that Wentz at this point in his career because of his legs just can't do. It's going to be interesting. And like, so we're going to see how many weeks if Wentz is out, I imagine it will be something. How many weeks that's going to be. You look at the schedule. You see what can happen. You know, this injury is either going to mean that Taylor Heineke retakes control of the quarterback position if they go in a streak, or if they lose some games, well, then they maybe goes a whole different direction. And then it goes, oh, look, if they lose all the Heineke games, and then it goes, okay, this season's over. Let's put Sam Howell in there. Let's see what he is, right? Um, and we will see Sam Howell dress. And the way Taylor Heineke plays, it's not out of the question that Sam Howell's probably going to get some snaps because Heineke is reckless on the field. Um, it's a little, it's a little, um, it's a whole experiment. Every time this, every, every year with this team, it's an experiment about how to run a professional football team. And we'll see what happens when they play Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. You know, and Green Bay looked terrible today. That was one of the local games on uh, TV here, and they were they lost to the Jets in twenty seven ten, and they just looked like they had nothing. They couldn't get the ball down the field. Their offensive line was a mess. I tweeted at one point. um, It was a gif of uh, a a gif of Homer Simpson sort of salivating, and I said like, "This is basically what Montez Sweat, John Allen, and Jerron Payne are thinking watching this." Uh, offensive line so uh, i'm not predict- predicting that washington will win i'm just saying aaron Rodgers and green bay do not look like the world beaters that we all generally assume them to be um but yeah i mean the heineke situation is going to be really fascinating and you know to the point of rivera saying the other day that his when he said quarterback that he meant the, the the other teams, even like Cooper Rush, he's been in their system for a while. He knows what they're doing. That helps. Okay, well, like you said, there's nobody who knows what Scott Turner wants to do more than Taylor Heineke. So if that's what's holding them back, then that shouldn't be the problem anymore. He obviously has played just with Washington alone, you know, for a bit at the end of 2020 and then all last year. So, um, you know, to an extent, you could argue, or at least they might, maybe should, that they they will be a little smoother operation um, that said, you know, there, we don't know if Jahan Dodson will be back. We, I, I still presume Sam Cosby's out at least a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll see if Logan Thomas is able to come back. So they're missing some pieces on that end. There's obviously the saga with William Jackson on the other side of the field. So, you know, th- they're hardly out of the, out of the woods, even beyond the quarterback. But at the same point, it's interesting to see what happens if Heineke, um, is is actually the quarterback uh just to be clear normally monday is the day we hear from the coach after a game we obviously talk to him on friday they will be we will not hear from rivera until tuesday this week and then wednesday thursday friday the team will uh be available to us so just keep that in mind if you're wondering when we'll hear from rivera next on any of these topics um we can get to some of these questions did you have any other or did you did you have one did you want to do a lead off with or any uh, <laughs> any uh, any topic uh, uh, to get into that we didn't before we get to the questions? Well, I, I think one my one question for you is, let's say they had lost that Bears game. I know this is stupid to even ask, but do you think they would have gone with Sam Howell instead of Heineke if they were one in five? Because I, I do know what Taylor Heineke is and he will keep the season alive. Um, but I, of course, am like every other Commanders fan, interested to see what Sam Howell's going to do if he actually plays real football. Um, but I, there's no question it's going to be Heineke, right? I mean, there's yeah, they're I mean, not going to. From what I was told, Heineke is the, is the answer. Um, he'll be he'll be the guy. My take before the season started was if Wentz were to get hurt before, say, the first half of the year or during the first half of the year, I should say that Heineke would be the answer. The question I would have would be, if it's later in the year, where is Sam Howell with his development? Because 
you know, he's got the, the Taylor Heineke moxie with a bigger arm and sort of a more, uh, a, a slightly bigger build. Okay. And, you know, he runs a ton himself. So all that would be interesting, but obviously it's a much more unknown variable, which can go either way. Maybe he's playing like the way Bailey Zappi is for the Patriots right now, which is, you know, a big kind of surprise. On the other hand, um, you know, a, a lot of rookies typically slow starts, even if they're first round picks. So um, I, I do think we get, we see Sam Howell at some point, if the season goes you know by the wayside and, and all that kind of stuff. And this, even if Wentz were to say, miss no time, right? I think that's going to be obviously a huge question. Do, do they at some point say, we're going to go to Sam Howell or even whatever, just we're not going to use Wentz because of the 70% thing. But if you do that, you're basically saying, we're not really buying into you being our guy next year. Or do they lean in and say, no, we still think he's our best option. Therefore, we're just going to keep playing him. I think that will be a very interesting moment in time. Should it come to that, i.e. they they completely fall out of the uh, out of the picture. Yeah, I would support Dan getting off the yacht. I know he's off the yacht, but I would support him getting off the yacht if this team was like 3 and 11 and they still wanted to play Wentz at the end of the year, and they don't care about that pick being a second rounder or a third rounder, because if they're, <laughs> you know, I, that that sec a high second round pick is ultra valuable. Valuable. So I would rather uh, Dan Snyder actually insert himself in that situation. I'll make one note. Um, you know, like we we talk about Turner, and there's a lot of heat on Turner right now. It's just so funny if you look across the NFL, guys that we think are uh, offensive geniuses, like. Sean McVay, Cliff Kingsbury. I don't know if people think Cliff Kingsbury is a genius, but he's presented as such. Um, there's a lot of coaches and play callers that are thought to be ultra high level. Um, Kyle Shanahan and Matt Patricia's outscoring all of them with his offense in, in New England. So, like, as much as we know that Shanahan and McVay and maybe Cliff's scheme are great. Their teams aren't putting up points like they used to. Um, and so I have my problems with Turner, but I also don't know if it's like if we – I mean, there's there's a lot of factors that are going into that, like offensive line ones. So I just, well, and, just wanted to put that out there. And I was going to say, like, I really do think you, – you mentioned the Rams. Uh, you, who else? I did the Cardinals because right, they, the Cardinals. they put up nine points today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, Seattle, perfect. a defense that's horrible. No, yeah. and and Green Bay to some degree, Matt Lafleur, um, even the Forty ers to the to to the extent that I think we tend to focus on the quarterbacks. Offensive line play just seems like it's a mess. You're just seeing over and over again. At least what I'm watching, and maybe it's mostly I'm watching Carson Wentz. But regardless, <laughs> just seeing quarterbacks constantly under heat, and you know, it's offensive line play. I don't think is what it what it was. We talked about this in a previous podcast about. You know, how much is it of people playing in the spread offense? I think I actually talked about this with Robert Mays when he was on last week about, you know, with with these linemen playing spread offenses in college, is that making them less prepared for the NFL? And we know here specifically, you know, again, you know, they moved on from Brandon Sheriff and Eric Flowers. They bring in Andrew Norwell and uh, Trey Turner. Norwell actually had a pretty decent game this week, so let's give him some credit for that. But obviously Trey Turner has been benched and, He's not right. Sam Cosby's been off to a slow start. So the offensive line play, I mean, I have always said I'm investing in the offensive line other than quarterback. That to me is like probably going to be my biggest investment, maybe defensive line just as a unit. And they have got to do that next year. We'll we'll have more time to discuss that, but they have got to get back to investing in that group in ways they really haven't done here in the last uh, couple of years. Um, But uh, we'll see about that. By the way, I think Cornelius Lucas had a pretty solid game the other day. PFF gave him their highest ranking for any of Washington's offensive players for whatever that's worth. Um, and I do think it'll be interesting. I think one of the questions in here was, is there any talk about moving Cosme to guard and Lucas to tackle? And whenever Cosme comes back and I wrote at some point uh, within the last couple of weeks that to me, if you're going to put your five best guys out there, I think it's arguably Cosme and Lucas together on the right side. The question is, are they willing to do that and perhaps saying Cosme's not our ultimate long-term right tackle because some people think he's better at guard. I do think that's an interesting wonder here um, because if the goal is to win, if that if they're focused on winning now, regardless of what you or I might think, 
when the time comes for Cosby to come back, is that the move to make? But we'll have time for that because I doubt he's back this week. Yeah, I, I'm I am pro moving him to guard if you think it can if the coaches think it can work. Because I, I think what's holding him at right tackle is the fact that when they drafted him in the second round, so the draft place holds him to the spot of where they're like, we drafted him as a tackle, we drafted him with a high pick, and we're going to invest in him because we think you know getting a tackle, a right tackle in the second round is really good value. When he was promising his rookie year, but ultimately, you know, he had injuries and all that stuff. This year he hasn't been all that great. And it's not like the Trent remember the Trent Williams, Ty and Secchi situation where yeah. just, uh, particularly Chris Cooley and Sheehan would talk about it a lot of like, should they move Trent into guard and put Ty and Secchi as left tackle and you have Morgan Moses and Brandon Sheriff and whoever was center at that point. I don't think, I don't even know who was at the center at that point, but um, the it's a little different. Like Cosme, if he's a, an amazing right guard and you got him with a second round pick, fantastic. Um, I have Lucas has always been good. He's always seemed to be pretty good in there. Um, and this team could use ever since Sheriff left, they could use guard help. So, like I, 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 Rivera talks about position flex. So let's see that in action. Like if if it ends up this is the best system for the guy for the team to have Cosme move into guard, try it out. Can't be much worse than what's happening on a consistent basis in the interior of the offensive line uh, right now for the commanders. Cause that's, that, that really is the issue. And you talk about investment and it's like, you know, I think that what happened, we're able to pull like Charles Leno and other people like that kind of off the scrap heap, right. And turn them into pretty good players, Eric flowers, right. Turn them into serviceable players. And that made them believe that they could just keep doing All right, let me run through a couple questions here so I can, before I let Mike get back to uh, his uh, busy life of being a uh, dad and podcaster. Um, one question here from at Strife Chamber on Twitter. Uh, basically, I don't have it in front of me right now, but the basic question was, after we saw Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson, the way how they performed against the Bears, are we going to come to the realization that essentially Gibson should be the lead back and Brian Robinson more of the uh, hammer? So, so instead of it being where Gibson's like sort of the second guy, it, it should it be the other the other way? Um, what what's your basic take on that? And then I'll I'll, I'll, I'll chime in. I still think like we you know you got to give Robinson a little bit more time. Uh, you know he was shot in the leg and he came back from that rather quickly. Um, he's a power back. He, I think he identifies the hole better than Gibson does. I like Antonio Gibson better when it's less relied upon him all the time. If he could pop, if they can put him in the backfield. I mean, I guess we talk about battering Ram versus feature back. I still like Robinson getting, you know, like I, I think this team, the chance to success for this team is to find the magic that they had last season when they were running the ball with Gibson a ton and being successful at it and controlling the clock. Um, I think they can do that even better with Robinson and still mix in Antonio Gibson. Uh, I just like how Robinson runs. He's just a big old dude and can make things happen. So right. I, I love both of them going forward in the roles. I mean, obviously this was not a great, um, offensive game, so it's hard to say that like, well, the offense looked better with one versus the other. Robinson, I mean, I thought Gibson did have some really crisp runs there in the second half, but I just do. I've been saying this all along. I think what Robinson gives you, you mentioned better at finding the holes, this sort of steadier production. Maybe it's you know he's not breaking off thirty, forty yarders all the time, um, but like it's a steadier growth, and I still think that's the answer. I think the question maybe they need to lean into or wonder about more is. We talk so much about Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson, but do they need to say we're going to go? Be, we're going to be just more run oriented. Bottom line, and we're going to lean into that, control the clock, and then just have Wentz be the play action guy and just look to, for him to go down the field. But play in, play out, we're going to be more of the run, more run heavy. 
I, I think if, in terms of this year, I think that's something they need to uh, consider. But no, I, w- I would leave it sort of in the same way that they had it with Robinson as the lead and Gibson as the change of pacey kind of a guy. Here's my here's my here's my fun tinfoil hat thought though for you, Mike. The trade deadline's coming up, November first, and typically we're talking about obviously now like a William Jackson because of that whole situation that's going on, or or Deron Payne because of his contract or, or whatever. I'm watching some of these games today, right? And for example, the Buffalo Kansas City game. Here we go. Have two teams. Big, you know, they're they're the favorites basically to win the Super Bowl, and yet neither of those teams has much of a running game, like at all. Wouldn't Antonio Gibson look amazing for one of those teams? And before you say, well, why should Washington get rid of him? Well, that's the thing, right? They have almost too many guys because you have Robinson, you have Gibson, but you also still have McKissick. I'm not even getting into if Jonathan Williams or Jared, Jared Patterson are, are helpful. Plus, you still have all the receivers, and Curtis Samuel can get some carries. To me, this is a potential forward-thinking move. If you traded Antonio Gibson, and I'm not, you know, running backs, typically you're not getting a lot back. So I don't want to sit here and say they could get a third. I, I don't know. But if you could get what you think is good value for him, are you really losing that much while simultaneously helping your cause going forward? I, I To me, this is the type of thing, whether you do it or not, I'd like to think they're thinking about it because they clearly see Robinson as the lead. And like I said, even if you traded Gibson, you still have McKissick to do the change of pace, pass catching kind of stuff. So again, I'm not, this is not reporting. I'm not, this is not sourcing. This is just my tinfoil hat watching some of these games today and thinking, boy, this is one spot where they actually seem to have some, some depth, maybe take advantage of it and see what you can get. I think I think it would be a smart move. I don't think Rivera and Co. do it because of how desperate. Like I think that outburst after the Bears game was partly out of desperation in terms of um, they're feeling he's been feeling the pressure. I mean, he himself all year into preseason and all into the season, it talked about raising expectations. How this is a big year and all that stuff. The year hasn't gone that great so far, and. Part of the problem of having a coach-centric organization, coach-centric organizations typically, and Rivera's been pretty good about this, but typically focus on the present versus the future. And that can lean into, if you could get a fourth or fifth round pick for Antonio Gibson, organizationally you should do that because there's real value in getting that pick. Um, But if you're a team that's trying to fight for your job or fight for your place in the league, you want every available current asset you can. Deron Payne's another name, and we've talked about Deron Payne a million times. Now, that the, there's like the comp- compensation pick versus the present day pick, and what would that be? And you could get a fourth rounder now, but it would be a, potentially a third rounder in 2020. What year is it? 2024, when the compensatory pick would come out. Um, but this this team, this coaching staff, this organization is desperate to win as many games as possible because they feel like they have to show continued improvement. They can't take like a, a leap backwards and then a big jump forward. They have to keep stepping forward, uh, keep progressing. So I love the thinking, and I do think it would make a lot of sense to just – because McKissick is great. I, I think every time he's in the game, he makes a play. He's so skilled at catching the ball in the backfield. He's so skilled at getting first downs. but. um I just think I think this organization is going to be very present minded and that includes not trading guys at the deadline. Right. And this is the thing, right? When you talk about why the coach and the GM should be separate people, because both of those jobs have different visions and Rivera, you know, by and large, he he's a guy that's going to want to win now. I mean, even if they were to lose the next couple of games, I doubt he's going to say, all right, let's start moving towards the future. It just doesn't seem like that kind of, kind of a thinker so um yeah you know whatever i mean like i said i'm not suggesting antonio gibson should get traded same with deron Payne, but like you have to make a call here at some point where are you as an organization again i point to the wizards always <laughs> you know in a year mm-hmm. in, in the nba in which like the greatest prospect to come out since i don't know if it's lebron james or kevin durant or whomever is, is there and then there's like one maybe two other guys who are really really interesting and a lot of teams are saying, screw it, we're just going to go all in for the ping pong balls. And the Wizards are saying, no, 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 
we're going, we'll be good. We're going to get in the playoffs, but like the seven, eight seed or the playing game. And that's not going to ultimately long-term. You have to get lucky with the draft because ultimately that's just not going to work. And this is where the commanders find themselves as well. And by the way, you know, if we're talking about the quarterback thing, if they do move on from Carson Wentz, you know, again, you're not, I don't know. You're going to get any star players, star quarterbacks who want to come play here. That leaves you with the draft. And as we typically know, the further you are away from the number one overall pick, the worse your options are going to be a quarterback. So, you know, ultimately that to me should be the bigger play than the short-term thinking, but they typically are a uh, short-term thinking kind of a bunch um, <laughs> here. Um, you've got the questions as well. Is there anyone here that rings to you that you uh, want to get into, or you, you got one of your own? That we haven't well, got, that we haven't addressed yet. We could talk about things beyond quarterback or the trade deadline. Well, the one big question is from the real Pat Doyle, which is, and this was he says, does yesterday feel like a turning point? So he's probably tweeting this out on Thursday yeah. or Friday. Does yesterday feel like a turning point for Dan potentially being forced out, or just more noise? And he points out, he says both the ESPN article and Al Michaels saying on the Amazon broadcast what he said, which is essentially the, what the league would want is for Dan to sell. Right. Um, ben, I'll let you answer that. <laughs> well, it you is interesting, it right? Point? Well, I mean, like we spent all that day when I lamented this the other day that like six in the morning, I woke up in Chicago and I, and the story was online and the day just kind of went from there. Um, and I'm not saying the story didn't have some interesting things. We had one of the authors of that story, Seth Wickersham on the podcast the other day. And, there were some interesting details for sure, particularly about Jerry Jones, perhaps uh, losing some allegiance to Dan Snyder, although he came out subsequently on his radio appearance that he makes every week and kind of pushed back on that. But that aside, I actually think if you want to get excited, if you want to believe that the Dan Snyder thing is getting closer, I actually do think Al Michaels comment, <clears throat> excuse me, was the bigger deal because that guy in that role is typically not going to make sort of a splashy comment like that. And I've saw some notion that, Hey, Al Michaels has been obviously doing this forever that he's, you know, he knows everybody everywhere. And that if he's saying that to that degree, that somebody uh, maybe sort of said to him, Hey, don't be shy if you want to go that route. So I actually thought that was more interesting. Um, You know, you mentioned before we talked about the Dan Snyder want uh, Carson Wentz, or, or, or not you know that's the type of thing that's in the story but like i kind of like i said don't really know if i think that's accurate and there were a couple other things that i'm just like eh, i don't really know if i'm buying this and it's one of the things that happens i'm not saying that their reporting is wrong somebody told them these things it's just just because somebody told them something doesn't mean it's true but al michael saying what he said to me is like oh okay that is kind of intriguing i would ultimately say then no answer the question I don't think, I mean, cl- I don't know what closer means. Did the, the, the ball get moved from the 23 to the 26-yard line? Maybe. But, like, in terms of, like, crossing midfield or moving towards the red zone to him getting out, I, I don't I don't see that. As we know, though, the owners' meeting is on Tuesday, and we're still waiting for the multiple reports to come out, the, the Mary Jo White investigation for the league, Congress's, whatever, they're going to sh- re- reveal along with the transcript from Dan Snyder. So those are the things to consider, but uh, what I think is that unfortunately we were having some technical problems, uh, so I had to had to let Mike go. It wasn't his issue at all, but uh, so I'll just sort of wrap it up from here. Uh, well, you know, I know people have also been wondering when are we going to hear anything from Congress from the NFL regarding these investigations. All, all I can tell you is that I check often, and I'm always sort of told not yet, maybe soon. I, I would imagine particularly with Congress, that, you know, again, we're already at October 16th. Uh, Even if the House Democrats lose control of the House, they still would have it until January, right, until the next, uh, uh, until the next, uh, you know, swearing in. But if you're going to use it for any political gains, you got to pull it out sooner than later. So my sense would be, I don't want to say soon, meaning three days a week. I don't know, but not forever from now. I think relatively soon. I would think the same thing with the NFL, but again, we'll have to see on that one. Uh, There is an owners meeting again Tuesday. Uh, You know, even if they don't put the put 
voting for Dan Snyder on the agenda. No doubt there will be conversations about it. And perhaps from those conversations, there's an urgency to put out whatever is in that report. But we'll have to see on that front. Um, lastly, I, I did talk about the William Jackson thing the other day the, that William Jackson, there was a report from the NFL Network that William Jackson has demanded a trade seeking to join a team that is, has a system better suited to his situation. And as I mentioned the other day, I got was sort of I got sort of mixed comments back from people regarding that report. Um, one person went so far as to say he did not request request a trade. Um, all that said, you know I think their secondary did a better job last week. And you know if you said I got to pick, will William Jackson play for this team again outside of injuries? or not, I, I probably would lean towards not. Here's the thing though, right? I mean, because of that salary, because it, you know he's got a huge cap hit and this year and money owed and all that, even if another team is willing to take him on, we're really not talking about getting much. So even though he is you know, still considered to probably be a, a pretty good cornerback in the right situation, which it does not appear this is, uh, this is not going to be some huge uh, result for them, other than maybe it just makes sense to move on but that's a separate issue. Uh, we'll, you know, we've talked about this one already. That is clearly a move that has not worked out. And, uh, you know, hopefully they sit down and contemplate why it hasn't worked out uh, next time they make a, a big move. All right. That is it for now, though. Uh, as I said, the t commanders will be back in action on Tuesday, or at least that's when Ron Rivera will speak with us. So maybe we'll get some updates then on Carson Wentz. We, we may hear about Carson Wentz by Monday because of, the fact that he's meeting with a specialist on Monday. But uh, we may hear for, about that uh, with Jahan Dotson, Logan Thomas, and others. Uh, we will see when they are back as well. But for now, that is it. Uh, ben Standig signing off. Thanks to Mike Smeltz for his time. Until next time, see ya.